Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. Hey, welcome, 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 welcome to week two of a series that we are calling The Ghost of Christmas. Was anybody blessed by this message last Sunday? Amen. We talked about the ghost of Christmas past, and today we're going to talk about the ghost of Christmas present. But before I do that, uh, man, how many people are enjoying the weather this morning? Yeah. Raise your hand if you are a cold fan. You are a fan of the cold. Ten people. All right. You, you, you migrated here from up north, and most likely, uh, raise your hand if this is the not, not wonderful. You do not enjoy this weather. Yeah. Um, raise your hand if, like me, you were struggling how to figure out your defroster this morning. I just, my screen was all foggy, and I've never turned that thing on ever before in the history of living in Florida. So I'm like, is it hot? Is it cold? Is it on blast? Then I just started wiping it, and so I wouldn't get... Uh, into a car accident. But hey, I'm excited at the, for the word that God has today. Before I get into it, I just want to let you know of some things that are happening. I want to emphasize December 24th. Once again, we have got an amazing Christmas Eve worship experience for you. And we have got yard signs in the back. Here, We know that people at our church are so excited to let their friends know about the things that God is doing at Journey Church. And so if you have a yard, that's a prerequisite. If you have a yard, you can grab a free yard sign at the black tent. You can put it uh, on your lawn. If you don't have a lawn, I guess you could tape it to your car. I'm not really sure how that would work or just put a string on it. You can rock it to work in the morning and just, you know, be one of those corners spinning it around, whatever you want to do. Um, I do want to let you know that it is going to be a ticketed event. We are expecting to be at max capacity, but the tickets are free. All you got to do is grab a ticket, and if we don't have tickets in the back today, they'll definitely be available next Sunday. You can even grab one for your friend, or you can register online. Also, make some noise if you're going to be going on one of our journey mission trips this year. We have over 100 people signed up for missions uh, this, uh, this year, going to Honduras, Dominican Republic, Mexico, and even the wonderful country of India. That's right. And uh, if you'd like more information on those trips, today is the last day to get more information. And so right across the courtyard, uh, there's going to be more information. All right, let's get right into what I feel God has for you. Uh, and it's got to be good, uh, just again, considering uh, our, the beginning of today's experience. Open up to Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 9. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 9. We're going to be reading from the famous... Uh, beginning of the Christmas story with the shepherds and the angels and wave at me if you remember this story. I never take for granted those who did not grow up in church and did not hear. Nobody's waving. You've never heard this story. You've never seen Charlie Brown before. Okay. Wave your hand if you're familiar with the story. Wave at me. I'm going to do it until you do it. Everybody do it. Okay. Wave at me. Awesome. So good. I, it's called interaction and it makes me feel good. And so Luke chapter 2 verse 8 through 9 Let's go ahead and read it. Uh, in that region, I feel like saying it in the Charlie Brown voice, you know, Lionel's voice. In that region, I don't know how to do it. There were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord, that's how he does it, stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were so afraid. 
but that's not that version. This version says terrified. Somebody say terrified. Say it again, but say it like, like you put some passion. Say terrified. One more time, terrified. All right, okay, here, here's why I wanted you to say that word. Because I have grown up on the Christmas story, and my memories of the Christmas story are happy and joyful and smiling and presents and, and, a, sh- and, a, and a little drummer boy. Yeah, anyone remember a little drummer boy? Yeah, did you know he's not actually in the Bible? I didn't learn that until my 20s. I could have sworn... I was scourging the pages of my Bible to find this boy who played his drum for Jesus. He does not exist. I just want to pop that bubble for all of you. I don't think that that's there. And, and so I remember a lot about the Christmas story. But if there's one thing I don't remember about the Christmas story, it's terror. And in preparation for this message, this word stuck out to me and really hit me uh, in a way that it never had before. I guess because I had never noticed it. I guess because when I think, think about Christmas, I don't think about terror. This is what is known in Christian theology as the Annunciation. And it's a beautiful moment. It's a time where the angels come and they announce, or they're about to announce, the birth of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And it's an awesome moment. Um, but, but when you think about it, it's really only awesome and beautiful from our perspective because we know the end of the story. We have 2,000 years of hindsight. We know that, in, that this is the very first Christmas ever. We know that these shepherds are about to meet the God in the container of a human baby. We know that they're about to see face-to-face the Messiah, um, and it's an exciting. We know that forever this story is going to be told, and these shepherds are about to be famous, and people are going to sing songs about them and paint pictures of them, and it's going to be great. We know that because we see it from the end, but I want to invite you today to zoom in from the story to the moment because in the moment, these shepherds are terrified. Forget, forget verse 10 through 15. I'm just talking about verse 8 through 9. In the moment, in the present, what is the word that the Bible uses to describe the emotional, mental, and spiritual state of these shepherds? Terrified. Terrified. And I'm going to cut straight to the thesis of this sermon today. And you can decide whether or not at this point, if you want to continue to listen or, 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 or zone out, because this is how you'll know that it's for you. Here's my thesis. Some of you today are going through something that is terrifying. Family issues, financial issues, health issues. But I want to tell you something that the devil doesn't want you to know about this moment. I want to tell you something that the devil doesn't want you to know about the present. And that is this, that your situation is always the scariest in the moment. In the moment, that's the power of the present, you know? Like it's in your face and you can't avoid it. You know, anybody like a big baby when they get sick? All men everywhere need to say amen to that right now. Every time all the women need to say amen. Come on, women. Oh, my God. Every time I get a tummy ache, I look at my wife and I'm like, babe, this is it. This is the big one. Tell the kids I love them. In the moment. In the moment, that's the power of the present. It's so real. It's so in our face. It's so right there. But can I tell you the great weakness of the present? That is this. Tomorrow, the present is the past. And the things that give you nightmares today are the very things you will give God thanks for tomorrow. The present doesn't last. You can give God praise for that. The present doesn't last. It only lasts for the moment. Oh, my goodness. Anybody remember their first boyfriend, uh, or the moment, the moment your relationship ended with your first boyfriend or girlfriend? Come on. The moment, 
Yeah, you thought they were the one. You thought they were the one, and they were. One out of eight. <laughs> they were the one, all right. One out of eight. And, and, and now the person that you're with, you look back, uh, and you go, wow, this person makes that person look like, all right, or the person who's coming, like, I didn't even know. In the moment, it was for real. In the moment, it was serious. But now, parents, wave your hand if you're a parent. Do you remember the moment your, your, your child first said their first cuss word? I do. Four. I was like, what did she just say? I have failed as a parent. My God, you're going to grow up to be homeless or a serial killer. This is terrible. In the moment. Well, talk to a parent who's raised some kids, and they will tell you, hey, it's it, 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 it too will, will pass. It too will pass. Anybody remember the moment of their greatest failure, moral, career, or otherwise, when you thought it was over, yet here you stand? I'm trying to tell you something about the moment. I'm trying to tell you something that we don't hear a lot in church. We always hear the message of church, don't be a prisoner to your past. But I find more often than not, we are a prisoner to our present. We are mesmerized by the moment, and we need to be reminded that this too shall pass. That what you're going through today might not be there tomorrow, so don't let it kill you or get you down. Man, I had to, I had to counsel somebody in our church. It was a, a, a man, and we were sitting down having coffee, and he was freaking out. He was, he was worried because he was unemployed. He was single, and he had no idea where his career was going. And I had a real hard time empathizing with him. I'm truly trying, you know, I'm not a counselor. It's not my gift. I tell people that. I'm like, you don't want me to sit down with you one-on-one. -on -one. You don't. I'm not, that's not me. Like, I will throw Bible, and I will just shout at you. You don't want that from me. I will tell you to man up and stop being a baby. You want, like, we have counselors at church that you want them. But I'm sitting there, and I'm trying to empathize, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I, and I almost want to laugh because I know something he don't know, and that is that he's 22 years old. I mean, he knows that he's 22, but what he doesn't realize is how young he is. And I'm like, dude, and this is how I told him, I probably shouldn't have done it. Don't meet me for counseling. I said, I said man, if the 80-year-old if the you could have coffee with the 22-year-old you right now, he would slap the 22-year-old you in the face right now. He would tell you to stop crying. He would tell you, hey, listen, I'm in the future, and I want to let you know we made it. It's okay. You, I know you did get married. <laughs> I know it doesn't look like it right now, but you did get married, and she's awesome, and you have kids, and they're not crazy. And you have a job, and you're not living on the street. And you know what else they would tell them? They would probably tell them this. They would tell them, don't run from this moment. Don't freak out in this moment. Here's what I hope that they would tell you, because this is your moment. And that is my message to you today. I want you to know that the very thing that shakes you is the very thing that makes you. And you should not run from it. You need to run to it. Don't leave because you might be leaving the thing that God sent into your life to take you to the place that he always planned and he always destined for you. If it shakes you, it just might make you. That's why you can't judge a decision, opportunity, or obstacle based on the way it makes you feel. Did you hear me? So that's why you can't judge an opportunity, an obstacle, or decision solely on the way that it makes you feel. This is the Shekinah glory right now, just filling in the place. Amen. Jesus, get it together, Jesus. You can't judge an emotion or decision or an obstacle based on the way that it makes you feel because if you don't do it just because it's terrifying, you'll never do anything terrifying in your life. And the truth is, the treasure is often on the other side of terrifying. 
If, 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 if terrifying was what let me do or kept me from doing things, I would never tithe because giving 10% of your income is terrifying. But then I would never know God's faithfulness and his goodness in my life. I'd never be able to see the blessings that, oh, that money could never buy. I'd never be able to see that. Um, if, uh, if you never decided to start that business or quit your job just because it was terrifying, you might miss out on an amazing venture that God has for you. Um, sometimes the most terrifying thing to do, but if you never do it, you never know what happens, is, is being the first person in a relationship to tell the person that you love them. Do you remember that? Yeah? No? You remember that? How scary that was? If you were the first, maybe you weren't the first person. Maybe you've never been and you can't relate. Just as a quick survey, see how well you know your pastor. How many people think, we're going to ask this question, Liz and I, how many people think Liz was the first person in the relationship to say the L word? Raise your hand. How many people think I was the first person to say the L word? You know me well. You know me well. You know me well. We're sitting on the couch. It was a movie. I looked in the eyes. My heart started to beat really crazy. And I was like, I want to tell you something. And it's okay if you don't say it back. That's how we start that sentence. And it's okay if you don't say it back. I love you. I swear to you, this is her answer. She said, that's nice. That's nice. I was like, But had I never said it, I wouldn't have been able to experience 10 years of marriage with the most beautiful, phenomenal, smart, elegant, worshipful woman in the world that I know. And could you imagine, you know, some of the most terrifying things is waiting on God for the answer. Waiting on God when things get scary, that can be some of the most terrifying things, uh, experiences that you have in your life. Like the shepherds. The shepherds were in a terrifying moment. Could you imagine if they had ran from that moment, if they had not waited to see what God would do? That's me all the way. You know those scary movies where there's like a sound in the closet and then for some ridiculous reason, everybody goes to the closet? I just want you to know that's not me. I'm the guy in the movie that when the noise is in the closet, I'm, like, I'm going the other way and I'm yelling at the TV. Anybody do that when you're watching the horror movie? Like, don't go in there, girl. He's in the closet. Don't go in there. Go the other way. I know what I would have done if I was on that field with the shepherds. It would have went boom. And before he could have said, tonight a Savior is born, the shepherds would have been like, JJ? Where's JJ? And I would have been out. I would have been I don't wait to find out what happens. If it's loud, I'm not there. I'm not there. But could you imagine? Listen, if the shepherds had ran from that moment, they would have missed their moments. Because it's the very moment that defines them. And as I'm reading the story, I can tell that they're afraid. And I can tell that they've got one foot, you know, back to the barn. And they got one, they're kind of curious, but they're also freaking out. And they're like, and if I could scream into the scene here, I would shout, not run. I would shout, wait, stay. It's not a ghost. It's God. God is in the moment. And if you would allow me to scream into your scene you to know that it might seem scary and it might freak you out and it might be terrible and I don't know exactly what it is that you're going through but here's the benefit of being a believer God is always in the moment it looks like a ghost but it's not God don't run wait it's about to get good wait for the announcement the blessing is coming the miracles coming you just gotta hold it out you just gotta wait don't freak out be patient 
Be patient because God is coming. Do not be scared. Do not be afraid. And that's exactly the message that the angel tells them. Luke chapter 2, verse 10 to 11. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah. What day? What day? What day? This day. This day. In the present. I want you to know that Jesus is not a 401k plan whose return on investment is only seen at retirement. He didn't come to bring you joy in heaven alone. He comes to bring you joy today, in the present, in this day, no matter what this day looks like for you and for me. He is the present in the present because of what he gives us in the middle of our situation. And here's exactly what he gives us. Luke chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of clothing and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel of multitudes of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, catch this, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, say with me, peace among those whom he favors. Oh, God gave humanity more than a holiday on that day. He gave humanity more than a brand new religion on that day. He gave humanity more than his son. He gave humanity more than himself. On that day, he gave humanity the potential to experience peace. And I just want to say a statement right now that you might or might not agree, but give me a, a second. I believe that what we are most seeking in this world is peace. I really do. And if you don't agree with that statement, that means one thing. You don't have kids. Because one day, as a parent, we'll have you screaming, peace. Sometimes I just want them to be quiet, y'all. Does that make me so bad? I love my kids. Just quit stop talking. No lie. Last night, Liz, I'm just going to say it, because Liz has these modes that she goes into with the kids that gets them to stop talking. And, and she, usually it's robot mommy. The kids hate robot mommy. And that's her, she's like, I don't care anymore, robot mommy. She, gets in her, she gets, becomes this emotionalist robot, and she walks around the house, and the kids freak out. No, robot mommy, no! And she's like, I will not stop talking until you be nice and stop hitting your brother and just be quiet and... Yesterday, she found a whole new mommy. The kids came running up to me. She goes, Daddy, Daddy, Mommy. I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, she's quiet, Mommy. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. She's like, I said, well, you better do what she said or else you're about to see crazy Mommy come up in here. You better listen. Clean your room right now. Peace. Listen, that's probably not true. If, if you, that is true. That did happen. But maybe... Maybe you don't need to be a parent just to understand that. If you probably don't agree with that statement, then you probably don't understand the definition of peace because your definition of peace is probably the world's definition of peace. And there was actually a survey done on the definition of peace, and they asked a large group of people, what is your definition of peace? And the answer fell into one of two categories. Either one was peace is an emotion, or two, peace is the absence of conflict. And if that's your definition of peace, then I wouldn't want it either because that definition of peace is flawed because both are dependent on circumstance. If peace is an emotion, then it is dependent, like all emotions, on, on my circumstance. If my bank account is healthy, I got peace. If my life is healthy, I got peace. There's only one problem. Most of the times, my life ain't healthy. And so if my peace is dependent on my circumstance, and that's the true definition of peace, then I'll never get to experience peace. It'll be sporadic. It'll come and it'll go. 
If peace is the absence of conflict, then that's bad too, because that means it's dependent on other people's circumstances. So if you're driving in your car and somebody else had a bad day and they cut you off in traffic and give you the one finger blessing, what do we say? We say, they stole, they stole my peace. Nah, forget you. (laughs) And then we come out, it wasn't my fault they stole my peace. They took it from me. Of course, if that's the definition of peace, then I get it. I understand why you, wouldn't, why you wouldn't want that or why you wouldn't agree with that. But here's the beauty. Here's God's definition of peace. Look at John chapter 14, verse 27. I am leaving you with a gift. Listen, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you isn't fragile like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. You don't have money. You don't have the answers. That's okay. Because your peace, at least when it comes from God, is not dependent on the absence of things. It's dependent on the presence of someone. It's dependent on the presence of someone. And when he brings it, when it comes from heaven, then there's nothing in this world that can take it away. Because it's his. When he shows up, oh, presence, man. If you're new to church, we have this adoption in, in, in Christianity called the rapture. And it's this idea, it's this truth statement that one day Jesus will come and those out of heaven and, and those who have a relationship with Jesus will go to heaven with him. But if you don't, here's the scary part. You've probably seen this in the movie Left Behind. If you don't, you get left behind. And I remember growing up in church when I was under the impression that my salvation was dependent on my merits and not his grace. I would have a bad week, and by a bad week I mean do some things that are bad. And I remember having nightmares of the rapture happening and waking up. And it'd be really quiet in the house. I'm like, oh, Jesus, please don't leave me up here by myself. If you've ever experienced that fear, if you're a Christian and you know what I'm doing, your church problems, come on, raise your hand right now. Show me who you are. You know what, you know what I'm talking about. You have experienced it. I'm like, it is quiet. should not have done that last night. You know? But I would always do one thing. Maybe you did this too. I would go downstairs because downstairs on the first floor of our house in New York City was Grandma Anna. And Grandma Anna read the Bible every morning. Prayed every, and I knew if she was there, I'm good. And so when I had a rough week, my solution was not to pray. It was not to, fa- it was to see if Grandma Anna is here. If Grandma Anna is here, I'm good. Just seeing her brought me peace. It was her presence. It's the same with my kids now. We've been, we've been uh, doing games in the backyard uh, with, my, with my son, and I try and do games that, you know, freak him out because I want to, you know, bold him up. I'm just... I'm still learning this parenthood thing. And so we have a seesaw in our backyard, and we turned it into like a, like a balance beam. And so I grab my sons, and I'm like, walk on the balance beam. And they fall at everything. And Liz is like, you need to catch them. And I'm like, no, dirt is good for your immune system or something like that. And, and they walk. And I remember Zane, when Zane gave it his first try, he said, daddy, daddy, hold my hand. I said, I'm not going to hold your hand because I want you to be tough. He goes, fine, then just stand next to me. And I remember standing next to him as he walked the balance beam, and I would take every step that he brought, and he was able to do it on himself because my presence brought him peace. If you've, never, if you've ever heard our story, and if you've ever come to our church for any amount of time, you know I share it. You know that Liz and I lost the child um, seven hours after he was born. Uh, he was born with no lungs, and we literally saw our son suffocate to death in front of our eyes. We held him in our arms as we were passing away, as he was passing away. And I can tell you in that moment, um, we should have been destroyed. We should have been a wreck. 
But next to me was my mother-in-law, and next to me was my mom, and over there was my dad, and then over there was my cousin, and over there was my sister, and over there was my father, and over there right behind me was my pastor with his hand on my shoulder. The nurse walked into the room, and she says, what do you do for a living? Because I've never felt a room like this right here. We had worship music playing because most importantly, the Holy Spirit was in that room bringing peace into a situation that should have absolutely destroyed and wrecked us. This is what God says. Listen, this is what God says, Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. The peace of God. You know what that means? That means that it doesn't come from you. It comes from God. Have you ever been in a situation that should have destroyed you? Have you ever been faced with a conflict that should have wrecked you, that should have drove you crazy, that should have drove you to depression, and you got friends looking around thinking, oh, my goodness, look at her. She's so quiet. She's so calm. She's about to break down. And they look at you and you go, are you okay? And you go, yeah. How are you doing so good right now? I don't know. What do you know that I don't know? I don't know. It's nothing special. It's nothing secret. I don't have the answer. Come on. That's not your peace. You know you. You'd be, a, you'd be dead by now. You'd be freaking out by now. That's the peace of God that comes out of heaven, and it makes no sense. It surpasses the situation. It surpasses the budget. It surpasses the bills. It surpasses the doctor reports. It surpasses the conflict. It surpasses the sickness because it lives in a realm that the enemy and the devil cannot touch. I want to talk to you today about the peace of God that brings a rest to your heart and your mind when nothing and no one else can. The peace of God. The peace of God. No matter what your situation is, and that's what I love here, because I read verse 8 and 9 again, and look what it says. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night, by night. And I had to pause there on the by night part. Because I am a student of, you know, the Bible, and, and I was always taught in Bible class that the Hebrews were very particular about their evenings. They only worked during the day. They would sleep at night, and they would wake up as soon as the sun arose. And so when I saw shepherds working at night, I was confused, and I had to do some more research. That's not what's supposed to happen. You're supposed to go to sleep uh, at night and work during the day, but it turns out that there's one season of a shepherd's life where he works at night, and it's the lambing season. And if you're not familiar with the lambing season, that's okay, neither was I. I had to look it up. The lambing season is when the sheep are giving birth. When the sheep are, are, are giving birth to their calves, they're at their most vulnerable. And then also the predators can smell the blood from the birthing scene, and so it is the most, I'm trying to relate this to you, it is the most anxious most terrifying, most on-your-heels season of a shepherd's life. Doesn't that make the sentence that much more powerful? This day. When? In the most anxious and terrible seasons of your life. God will enter into those seasons and bring peace. I love it. I love that he's not intimidated by the anxiety and the craziness of this world. Because you know that the anxiety and the craziness of this world will always be there, right? I hope you know that. I hope you know. In fact, in preparation for this message, I was Googling a phrase uh, in, my, in my concordance. I said, peace on earth. I put that in my concordance. It's a digital one. I just type it in, and then it shows me all the versions of the Bible. It shows me all the different verses in the Bible. So I typed in peace on earth. And did you know that you do not find that passage in the Scripture at all? 
Actually, that's a lie. You find it one time, but it's not the verse you think of. Here's the one time you find peace on earth in the Bible. Are you ready? Luke chapter 12, verse 51. Here's the only time you find peace on earth. Put it on the screen. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? Nope. <laughs> Go ahead, Jesus. Do you think? That's the only time from Genesis to Revelations that you find the phrase peace on earth in the Bible. Wow. And I thought, and I thought what, what, is, what does that mean? I'll tell you what that means. That means that God did not come to this earth to make your problems go away. That means that when you become a Christian, I know I probably shouldn't say this. You're probably thinking about becoming a Christian. I got to be honest. I got to be honest. Most people get into this thinking it's one thing and they found that it's not and they leave disillusioned because they thought Jesus was going to make every boo-boo fade away. And I want you to know something about God. I want you to know something about Christianity, Jesus. Jesus does not make your boss nicer to you. Jesus does not keep your iPhone from breaking even though you spent $100 on the case that was supposed to keep the screen from cracking, but it cracked anyway. Jesus does not keep the neighbor's dog from going on your lawn. Amen. I'm just trying to tell you. But, but isn't that what the Bible said? Didn't, didn't the angel just say that to the shepherds, peace on earth? Oh, no, he didn't. Here's what he said. Let's read it one more time. Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Didn't he say peace on earth? Didn't he say peace on earth? Let's read it one more time. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace. Oh, now, well, that's a different sentence. Because had he said peace on earth, then the message would have been all of the craziness you see going on in your life, all of the in-laws, all of the sicknesses, all of your hurt, all of your anxiety, all of your fear. Hey, when you become a Christian, peace on the earth around you. But that's not the sentence that he said. He said on earth peace. In other words, he said, listen, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the craziness, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the doctor's report, I will bring peace, not on earth peace. I'm going to speak to it. I'm going to speak in it. Jesus can't make all the, all the, he can, but he won't. He won't make all the, all the hard, difficult moments go away. Why? Because it's in those moments that you see him for who he truly is. It's in those moments that he reveals himself. You got the three men that jump in the fire because they wouldn't bow down to King Nebuchadnezzar. And then after they go in the fire, the king looks and says, I thought we threw three people in there. And they go, we did throw three people in there. Well, why do I see a fourth person? And he looks like God. In the fire is where God reveals himself. You got Jonah who was running away from God his whole life. And then when he's stuck in the belly of a whale, he's like, you know what? I think you're sovereign. I'm seeing a side of you today, God, that I never saw before. You are powerful, and I can't wait to see you get me out of this, because when you get me out of this, I'm going to tell the world about you. You see Stephen, the very first martyr of Christianity, being killed, being stoned alive, rocks being flung at his head. And you know what the Bible says about the moment he died? It says he died with peace. It says that the onlookers looked at him, and his face shone with glory, and he looked up, and he saw Jesus Christ standing at the right hand of the Father, peace in the middle of stones being flung at your head. I want to tell you that this is what Jesus promises to bring into your life. Peace, a wholeness, a completeness, 
so that you don't have to be a prisoner to the present circumstance, so that whatever's going on in your life, you can look to heaven and say, God, my trust is in you. I put my faith in you. I know that you will get me out of this. I know that you will not leave me. I know that you will not leave me. Listen, that's why you cannot judge a present by the way that it's wrapped. It might look like a trial, but there might be something in that trial. It might look like a hurt, but, but there might be something in that hurt. You cannot judge a gift by the way that it's wrapped. Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Look at this. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those who he favored. This will be a sign for you. Look at that. A child wrapped, wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. You know that song, Silent Night, Holy Night. I bet it makes you think that Christmas Eve was like a beautiful event, right? It wasn't. You got this little baby, no doctors. You got this little baby in a barn, sleeping in hay, where the animals eat from. You talk about unhygienic. You got blood everywhere. You got an umbilical cord hanging from the side of the... I'm just saying. Mary is in sweating. Joseph is like, oh my God, what just happened? This is supposed to be the summary of the world. And you got the shepherds who are knocking on the door. Uh, yeah, we're looking for the Messiah. They open up and it's like a murder scene. And they're like, this isn't it. No, this can't be. This can't be. If they had judged the scene, what was on the surface. By the way, it was wrapped. They said, you will find a baby wrapped. You can't judge it. Can I see you? This could we'll end on this illustration. Yeah, can I see that? Come on, baby. Bring that to me. Thank you so much. You cannot judge a gift by the way that it's wrapped. I told you that underneath the tree was one of these two. And I said, you go, you pick. You pick one of these presents, whichever one you want. You know where I'm going now with this. So you'll be like, oh, I'll get the other one because you're, you know, you're smart like that. But if you didn't know that I was trying to make a point, you'd say, give me the red one. The red one's pretty. But here's what you need to know about the red one. The red one is empty. Just like the piece of this world. The promotion looks nice on the outside. Spoiler alert, when you get it, you still won't have peace. Marriage looks awesome when you're single. But when you get it, you realize you have more peace when you were single than when you were married. The peace of the world looks pretty, but it's empty. God's peace never comes wrapped up like that. God's peace, for whatever reason, often comes wrapped in tribulation. It often comes wrapped in tragedy, but in the middle of tragedy is often treasure. Brand new iPhone. Come on. The answer to your financial problem. Come on. Your AC don't work in your car, a brand new car. Come on. And today we're going to give all that away to somebody. No, I'm kidding. Don't clap. I'm joking. It's a joke. We're not doing that. That's my phone. That's my car. And that's my money. I'm just saying. I'm making a point. I'm making a point. I'm making a point that you never judge a gift by the way it looks. You judge it by the giver. Because I got people in my family. I got people in my family who I know when they give me a gift, it's not going to be good. Grandma Anna, God bless her soul. I love her. It's going to be socks. I know it's going to be socks. 
I don't care what it comes wrapped in. I know it's going to be socks. But my wife, she knows me. She hears all my wants and my dreams and my desires. I don't care what her gift is wrapped like. I know that when I open it on the inside, it's going to be treasure. Listen, God is an amazing gift giver, but he's a terrible gift wrapper. He will wrap wisdom in a divorce. He will wrap healing in a sickness. He, 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 that's what he does. That's what he does. And so you need to judge your moment, not by what it looks like, but by the one who gave it to you. And here's what I love about God, that the devil might be the deliverer of your presence, but it came from his facility. There is not one thing that reaches into your life that God did not stamp with his approval, which means that it all came from him. And if it came from him, it's good. 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 I'm going to say it until something breaks off in your life. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. I don't know what you're going through right now, but hear me. It's good. It's good. It's good. Because God stamped it. And God said it. Forget about what it looks like on the inside of your, and the inside of tragedy is treasure. We place such a prominence on gifts around the holidays. But Christmas is not about that. Did you know that before the, before the, before, you guys know the story of the wise men? They came with presents. Did you know they didn't even come on Christmas Eve? They did it. They didn't come till months. Some theologians believe even years after. But that's the story we tell everybody why, because we like presents. The only ones who showed up on Christmas night were the shepherds. And so we have this holiday that's based on giving God something. When the real Christmas was not about giving God something. But remember what the angel said? You will find a baby wrapped in a manger. Here's my message. Here's my message. What if, what if Christianity, what if worship to God is not about what we can give God? But what if worship is actually finding God? What if Christmas is about finding God? Here's how I wrote it. Worship is the ability to find God in the blank. And you fill the blank with whatever situation you have. Because Jesus was in a dirty old manger with no doctors around, suffering. It looked like a scene suffering. But in there was the king of the world. You gotta find him. Listen, don't, don't forfeit your Monday because your Monday is wrapped in, in mundaneness. It might look not important, but God is in it. So I wrote down some situations here. You need to be able to find him in the nine to five. You need to be able to find God in the child who won't stop crying. You need to be able to find God in the parent who is slowly dying. To be able to find God in the overdue bill. To be able to find God in the cancer. Find God in your present because he is there. He is there. And if you find him, that's worship. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace. Listen, it's a gift exchange. That's how it works. We give God glory in our situation, in our blank, and he gives us peace in our situation and in our blank. That's the exchange. So we go to work and there's people that we can't give us a hard time. We're going to find God in that. We're going to give God glory in that. And in return, we get his peace. Going through financial issues, find God in that. Give him glory in that. And in return, glory to God. Peace. It's an exchange. Would you bow your heads? I want to pray with you. I believe there are people here today who need peace. You need to be reminded 
or what you're going through, it too shall pass. Your pre the, the present situation is not going to last forever. And not only will it not last forever, listen, it will build you. It will build you. You are not going to be the same person. And so instead of letting the present situation get you down, give God praise in your presence. Send him glory. And in exchange for glory, he'll send you peace. In exchange for glory, he'll send you peace. Right now where you are, sitting down in your chair, begin to give God glory in the middle of your blank. Give him glory. Father, we thank you because of who you are in the blank, in the, in, in the issues. We thank you, God, because you see us, you hold us, you love us. There is no one else like you. Oh, Lord, we, we glorify you. You are amazing and awesome, God. We give you praise. Begin to feel right now God's peace fall on your life. Come on, receive it. Don't expect the problems to go away right away. Don't expect everything to get better around you. Right here, right now, begin to feel God's peace. It don't make no sense. It can't be explained. But it's real. And it'll fill you in ways that you've never been filled before. Send your peace on our life. Amen. Maybe there are people here today, you've never made a decision to follow Christ before you. Maybe this is your first time at church or your first time in a long time and you feel far from God. I want to give you an opportunity to make a decision to come back home to God, to give your life over to him so that he can exchange your life for peace. Maybe it's been a while since you've prayed this prayer and you would say, where I am today in my present, I don't have a relationship with God, but I want all that to change. If that's you, then every head bowed, every eye closed, you don't want to just give a moment of privacy. When I count to three, I want you to shoot your right hand up to the sky. Today's message was for you. You've been a prisoner of the present. Not anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. When I say three, I want you to shoot your right hand up. One, two. You want Jesus in your life and you want that peace. One, two, three. Right now, shoot your right hand up in the sky. If that's you, come on. I see your hand. Come on. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see it. I see it. I see it. If you raise your hand, I want you to pray this prayer with me. You can put your hand down, church. Let's pray this prayer together. Father God, come on, let's pray it loud and proud. Father God, I understand. I am not perfect. I don't have it all together. But this I know. You promise peace. There's a storm in my life. I'm going through some issues. And I want you. I invite you into my life. I give you my future, I give you my past, but today, I give you my present. Take control. Jesus, forgive me, I want to start new today. Come on, would you clap your hands together for the seven or eight people who made a decision to follow Jesus Christ this morning? Yeah, hallelujah, come on. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. 
or text Journey ORL to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.